For February 15th, 2010, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 85. I have to get knives and fight evil. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From the left coast of America, I am your host, Matthew Rather, here with the panel to overthink all manner of things. Uh, As we record this, it is Valentine's Day, my favorite day all day, and we have just completed our first successful live streaming pre-show, where we subject (laughs) subjecting popular culture to a level of scrutiny it doesn't deserve to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. Uh, so you can get us on uh, you can get us on Ustream on the Overthinking It podcast channel if you ever want to watch us uh, record the show live and hear me say stupid things like not knowing what day it is. I, I still am not clear because you all laughed at me and didn't actually correct me which, uh, which bank holiday is tomorrow. Uh, all right, let's get right into it because we have a guest uh, on our panel tonight. That's right, a genuine, a genuine human. <laughs> there she is, a genuine human female has joined the uh, has joined the podcast G-H-F. panel. G H F. Hi everybody. S-W-M. Oh, this is so awkward. Oh, so awkward. We like it when there are girls on the show. No. Um, uh, no, we're not because we're not, we're not like essentialist. We don't believe in, in tokenism and, and such. Uh, Natalie Baseman is on the show because she is a phenomenal, funny, entertaining overthinker. And we are glad to have you, Natalie. Welcome. Uh, thanks so much for having me. You are quite welcome to be here. All right. You know what we do. It's question of the week time. And the question of the week this week is... Who is your Valentine? Take it away, Natalie. Well, I thought about it for the few minutes that you uh, gave us with that question. <laughs> and I've come up with you guys. You guys oh, are my are my oh, Valentine. Oh. Because I don't I don't have a boyfriend. Um and I am not going on the internet to find one. So um I am. <laughs> Technically, Natalie, you are on the internet now, and <laughs> it has already begun. It has already. Begun. <laughs> yeah. My correspondence, love letters to Natalie, can be di- uh, directed to <laughs> editor at overthinking.com. <laughs> <laughs> curate them and uh, forward them on to, uh, Just- to Natalie. Just make sure that if uh, that actually happens, uh, capitalize your sentences because that's a big turnoff in the two or three <laughs> times I've ever gotten any kind of romantic email. Wait, you want uh, all caps? You want all caps for the whole thing? <laughs> Either all caps or proper caps. But just not lowercase letters for everything. Yeah. yeah. That's just, Somehow how that's are you more- doing? <laughs> I thought we should meet up and get coffee sometime. <laughs> Typists, you heard it here first. Size matters. So you have the upper, <laughs> upper letters. I'm sorry. See, this is why we can't have nice things because I say things like this. With I'm not, sorry. By, by nice things, do you mean women? Uh, yes, that's in fact what I mean. And in fact, by saying that, I make things worse rather than better. You know what? I take it as a compliment. So you are all set. 
Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. And that is the, the those are the dulcet tones of Mr. Peter Fenzel, uh, Skyping in from his basement in beautiful Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yes, and I'm, of course, deeply scarred and wounded by the horrible injustice that has been done by inviting a guest on the podcast whose last name begins with a letter before the letter F in the alphabet. Yeah, <laughs> so that I'm always not, sucks for you, doesn't it? I know. It's so, I, you know, I feel like, is it too much to ask that F be the first letter of the alphabet? F should always start the alphabet. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm actually not that upset because I have a special Valentine this Valentine's Day. Somebody who was in my life, you know, sort of came into my life by surprise. And like one of those things where at first I kind of laughed at him and he thought he was kind of silly and and i sort of i enjoyed his presence ironically and sort of saw him as just a friend uh but then i i i I sort of saw his face around long enough saw him in the subway all the time saw him on the billboards all the time and eventually my enjoyment became more than just ironic and became a little bit of something special and i just found out that after years of of you know calling and him never calling back and never having him around uh, he's actually coming back to all of us, not just to me, but to all of us. So I, I suggest that everybody's Valentine, this Valentine's Day, should be none other than Riddick! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You heard it here second, after you heard it on Ain't It Cool News, or maybe third, after you saw it on Vin Diesel's Facebook page, The Chronicles <laughs> of Riddick, the misguided sequel to the above-average Pitch Black is finally getting its sequel. Now, those of you who know me really well, I've maybe not made this entirely clear in a lot of my own work, but I probably have. Uh, if you've been reading me for a long time, I love The Chronicles of Riddick. I've said it. I love that movie. I loved it when it was in theaters. I have it on DVD. I've watched the director's commentary. Um, I don't actually think it's all that great, but I love it. And I love it unironically. Uh, and the fact that they're making a sequel makes me very happy. It actually toyed with my emotions for a while because at one point Universal was trying to decide which terrible idea it was going to fund, a sequel to Hulk or a sequel to The Chronicles of Riddick, which are two of my favorite movies. And so it was like, at one point, they took the money away from The Chronicles of Riddick sequel to make the Hulk sequel. And of course, Universal never made a Hulk sequel, so I ended up losing. But thanks largely to the ridiculous success of Fast and Furious, if you read my post... uh, Vin Diesel and the Black Swan. Uh, you can search for Black Swan on our website. You'll see my writing about how Vin Diesel became a huge movie star again due to the power of unpredictability. You'll see me presaging the, the coming of Riddick and the return of the man who once said to me in a very soft voice, I'm going to kill you with my teacup. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So happy, happy Valentine's Day. L'amour. 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 <laughs> uh, is Dame Judy returning for uh, for the Chronicles of for the Chronicles of Riddick Two, the Chroniclers of Riddick, or <laughs> the Chronicles of Riddick? Is it the Chronicles of Riddick Two, Chronicle Harder, or something, or Chronicle, Chronicle Riddickle? <laughs> Um, I hope she comes. I hope that she either comes back or that her character comes back, played by an obviously different actress who is like also slumming it. So I hope it's like Dame Maggie Smith as the same character, it's, uh, <laughs> like like what they did in the Mummy in the uh, the Mummy franchise when they couldn't get Rachel Weisz back. Oh, and they replaced her with somebody who was roughly equivalent. Yeah, more or less. Uh-huh. Or they Maria just Bello. Maria Bella was the American Rachel Weisz. Uh-huh. They could just take all of the footage from uh, Shakespeare in Love and <laughs> just kind of cut that in. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. They just like overdubbed it. And it's like very obviously Vin Diesel's voice speaking falsetto. How will this, like, how will this story end? 
As it always oh, must when love is denied with tears yeah. and a journey. Oh, that's really good. Wow. Thank you. Acting school. Uh, sorry, I'm throwing more. I'm throwing more pictures of Riddick up on the live video feed. So uh, you know, I'm busy doing that. In the meantime, we're going to move on to Mark Lee. Mark, Happy Lunar New Year! Why? Thank you, Matt, and thank you for being uh, inclusive in your terminology because it's not Chinese New Year. Plenty of people who are not Chinese also celebrate this holiday, like my peeps, the Koreans. So what's up? Happy Lunar New Year! You're the tiger, everyone. Keep that eye of the tiger as well. Play Wing Commander 3, Heart of the Tiger. Um, do all things tiger-related this year. Anyway, to answer the question. Um, <laughs> I love that game. That game's ridiculous. Yes, this is a Campbell. great game. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but to answer the question, uh, I actually have two Valentines. And I'm taking the broadest definition of a Valentine as possible, which is a member of the opposite sex or whatever sex that you're attracted to who you just happen to be very enamored with at the time. I have two answers. The one very obvious one is Lady Gaga because she's just uh, blown my mind on a daily basis with her amazing dance pop and, uh, Amen, and crazy, crazy music videos. Um, the more obscure answer I'm going to go with is another female chanteuse uh, by the name of Nellie McKay. I don't know if you guys know her. Any Nellie McKay fans here? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, sure. uh, for those who don't know Nellie McKay, she's sort of like at least originally marketed herself as an anti-Nora Jones um, because, well, she was you know sort of jazzy. Uh, play the piano, but her the, her debut album was called "Get Away from Me," which I really appreciated. Um, the music is also much more upbeat, up tempo, and snarky, uh, snarkier compared to that of um, that of Nora Jones. Um, so she's my Valentine, and I and I realize that both of my choices, I believe, have large followings among gay men. So I'm not quite sure what that says about me that I'm a big fan of Lady Gaga and Nellie McKay. But um, they're my sweethearts. Uh, you know, I'm available for dates and uh, for jam sessions as well. Yeah, you can you can uh, take them to the Streisand concert and quote a lot of Oscar Wilde at them. <laughs> we can sing Elton John together. It'd be great. My gift is my song. And this one's <laughs> for who's next? John Parrish. What up? What up? What up? So, my Valentine is the very talented and rather attractive British actress Emily Blunt, who, you know, we, we all recognize from uh, The Devil Wears Prada and uh, debuting this weekend, the Wolfman remake, which is apparently not that good. Now, I've heard rumors, and by rumors I mean facts, that she's engaged to John Krasinski uh, of The Office, so that, that might be a slight impediment to my, my calling, if not for the fact that three out of ten of my friends agree that I look kind of like John Krasinski if my hair's right and the light catches me in a certain way. So I think there's still hope. Fantastic. I'm throwing Emily Blunt up on the video feed. Uh... I could probably throw John Parrish up on the video feed too. <laughs> could probably put a picture. Just throw John Krasinski. No one will notice. And then no while the, while we're recording the podcast, I'm going to Photoshop you guys together kissing or something like that. Oh my god! Yeah. She has ample cleavage in that picture. Ample cleavage. She is cleavaging up that picture like. Oh hey, crazy. everyone in the video feed. I have safe search off, by the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> everyone who's listening to this on the podcast uh, on the subway and the pre-recorded one this is what you're missing out we're yeah. not being streamed you gotta, live you gotta make a date with us every sunday night 9 15 eastern 6 15 <laughs> uh 6 15 pacific jordan stokes last on the panel well except for me last on on our gargantuan six human panel tonight hey what's up how are you? Okay, that that pause made me very worried. It's like, did we <laughs> did we lose him? Hey, you're sounding I thought, good. I thought you were going to ask me the question, but you just said hey, and I was I was not prepared for that. So I had to swallow down the carefully prepared answer that I had, which is now lost. By the way, it's gone. You're not getting it back. <laughs> Too far. And gone. think of think of some response to the greeting. So, hey, uh, anyway. so uh, hey, Jordan, who's your Valentine? Well, so this is a complicated question for me. I, I have two answers. The, the first of which is like, oh, I'm married. So obviously my Valentine is my lovely wife. And then the second answer is I'm married. So obviously the time for me having Valentines is long done with. And, you know, <laughs> tell others my story. Don't make the same mistakes I did. Right? <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Uh all right. Well, that, that, that was succinct. My uh, my Valentine. I met someone actually today. Um, I I met I met a person who I think will come to play a great uh, role in my life. That person is Sharktopus. <laughs> That's right. Sci-Fi announced uh, today that they are going to produce a Roger Corman movie entitled Sharktopus. And let me tell you, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some of the graphics of this up on the on the video feed. Yes, you please, have never seen a you know giant death-dealing kraken. Until you have seen a giant <laughs> death-dealing kraken that has the head of a shark. Uh, so when, you, when you say Roger Corman, do you mean that as sort of a qualifier of the kind of movie it is? Or no, do you mean actually no, no, Roger no, no. Corman? Uh, wow, that's awesome. Who's yep, Roger Corman? Right? Uh, directed by, he's the B-movie king of America. He made such wonderful pictures as Piranha! Exclamation point. And I believe Piranha 2! Exclamation point. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is it Piranha 2! Exclamation point or Piranha! Exclamation point 2? Or, or with both exclamation points, right? Piranha wait, 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 wait. wait. Two. Didn't, wait, didn't James Cameron make Piranha 2? Yeah. Um, it's, it's entirely possible. Corman James was, Cameron directed it. Roger Corman produced it. Pete, I'm going to give you a brief rundown of some of uh, Corman's producer credits for the last uh, six years. Cyclops, Death Race, Super Gator, Scorpius Gigantus, Saurian, Blood Fist 2050, Dino Croc, Rage and Discipline, Barbarian, Firefight, When Eagle Strike, Shakedown, Sting of the Black Scorpion, Wolfhound, Escape from <laughs> Afghanistan, and Marlene Dietrich, her own song. <laughs> I, uh, well, Mark, I've already got an idea for the pop single. Uh, you, maybe you need to record it. I'd like to be <laughs> in a shark this garden in a cage. In a cage. <laughs> it would be sweet with his mouthy teeth to the octopus shark to put anyway you can do better than i can about that i feel like shark to put garden needs to happen it shark needs to happen. Garden. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh wow. i gotta Fuck say um yeah i gotta say though i i took to the overthinking at twitter uh twitter.com slash overthinking it uh to opine about the etymology of the word shark to because <laughs> a um 
a sharktopus really shouldn't it be not an eight-legged creature with the head of a shark, but rather a creature with sharks for legs? <laughs> <laughs> Now, of course, some of our... (laughs) Yeah? Oh, I was going to say that another another objection, given that there's been a lot of conversation about the etymology of the word octopus on our website. <laughs> um, uh, of course, octopus is Greek rather than Latin, right? right. Which is why octopi is a is a, a fatuous uh, pluralization. And shark, as we've described before, is kind of a nonce word that was made up uh, by a, a ship captain who went out there and like encountered some stuff and didn't know what it was and came back and everybody called it shark. Isn't uh, it in England? Isn't it funny that Roger Corman should make a movie called Sharktopus, and we happen to have had an in-depth discussion both of the word shark and of the word yes. octopus on this on this very site? So if you, if you're uh, if you're interested in the pedantry of the kinds of things that I'm interested in, the correct plural of sharktopus is not uh, sharktopi, and neither is it sharktopuses. It uh, the Greek plural would be like sharktopode. Or something like that. So, <laughs> this kills me. Yeah, I so, wanted to call it Sharkstopus, like Attorney's General. <laughs> uh, so the Sharktopus is my is my Valentine. Uh, I cannot I cannot wait until that comes out. All right, what's going on in the world? The Olympics opening ceremonies on. Uh-huh. Friday. It's a six-man panel. Oh, excuse me, six-person panel. So we're... Uh, <laughs> that wasn't patronizing. That wasn't patronizing at all. East um, German judge gave you a 2.0 on that one, Max. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, how I miss the East German judge. <laughs> there's, there's too much honesty. There's too much forthrightness in the Olympics. It, it was nice when we had some international intrigue. Um, <laughs> so uh all right so um olympics so it's a, I, i'm saying it's a big panel so let's try and keep it from a free-for-all but hey let's have a free-for-all olympics go okay so i saw the opening ceremonies anybody else see the opening ceremonies yeah yeah okay yeah Some so I, there was i think there was a fair amount of uh, crying uncontrollably so i i had to turn them off <laughs> Uh, there was, it seemed like there was a fair amount of hate coming at the uh, the, the opening ceremonies, and some of it was deserved, especially the uh, <laughs> the giant penis malfunction at the end. I mean, excuse me, cauldron malfunction at the end, where they couldn't get up the fourth pillar in their massive cauldron formation. Yeah. But most of it was about um, was about this. It wasn't. It was a little bit lacking in spectacle, and uh, that's not surprising given it was following up on the 2008 Beijing. Um, uh, opening ceremonies, which, if you remember, cost about, I think, $100 million. Um, the quota total for both the opening and closing ceremonies for the Vancouver uh, Olympics this time around is only $40 million. So think about that, you know, at least, you know, in terms of what money is going to buy you in terms of uh, a crazy army of 8,000 Chinese drummers, for example. Um, but uh, what, what I basically what I want what I'm here to say is that uh, you know I didn't I wasn't wowed by it I will say that but at least it evaluated on its own um, Canadianness um, that being of course code for mediocreness so yes <laughs> congratulations Canada you had a, a, a perfectly adequate opening oh, medi- mediocrity mediocrity well actually. <laughs> well actually well actually. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we are American after all. Uh, right. And but the, also, the, the, the one thing that just, uh, just before I uh, turn it over to you, uh, John, was that it had me thinking about like, wow, well, if we were going to have an American opening ceremony, what would that be like? So I went to YouTube and uh, reminded myself what uh, an American opening ceremony was like. And I saw in 96 Atlanta, which, oh, had, uh. which had chrome pickup trucks and marching bands, if you don't remember that. Um, Salt Lake City 2002 was a little more uh, was a little more muted, not surprisingly, because it came shortly on the heels of September 11th, uh, but had such the likes of uh, the Dixie Chicks and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Mormon Tabernacle Choir. But uh, yes, 1996 Atlanta, uh, pickup trucks, chrome pickup trucks, cheerleaders, marching bands. It was kind of awesome. <laughs> well, Mark, I'd, I'd hate to... I'd hate to start the trend that every successive Olympic ceremony has to spend more money and be a bigger spectacle than the last. Because I think the, I think the consensus is already that most Olympics hostings are money losing propositions in the long run. Yes, that, that is. Yeah, and especially given the economic climate now compared to two years ago, um, right. there's no way they could have spent that much money. Yeah, so I'd, I'd hate to I'd hate to start the trend that oh you know we have to spend more money than the last year's or last season's Olympics and it has to be of a bigger spectacle because that that way that way allows chaos and anarchy. Uh, I agree, indeed, absolute chaos. So my thing, sorry to talk over you earlier. My thing was obviously there was the the tragic loss earlier that day of uh, Nodar Kumartashvili of the uh, of the Georgian Republic, their their ice loser who. Uh, who died in, I, b- I believe, a test heat on a 90-mile-an-hour track. And what what particularly bothered me about this, and this is the pop culture aspect, is, you know, the the opening ceremony was being covered on, on NBC. And NBC beforehand, uh, about an hour before, when, you know, folks were just warming up, was playing repeatedly the footage of the actual crash, yeah, like exactly. actual video footage of the, of the loser coming down the track, Leaving the track and then colliding with the the pole that uh, that gave him the injury that killed him. Pretty gruesome, and right? It it was. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't visible blood, but just I'll, I'll spare you, I'll spare you the details if you didn't see it. But yeah, it was it was fairly terrible, and it it struck me as it struck me as almost unforgivably odd that NBC would do this sort of thing. I mean, I I was watching in a bar with several friends of mine, and the sound was off, so I don't know if. Matt Lauer gave us all a caution, like, hey, heads up, there's going to be some gruesome footage. But even with that in mind, the Olympics tends to be one of those things that, more so than any media event, is watched by families and is watched by children. So I, 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 don't, think you can, I don't think you can get away with showing something that gruesome just by warning people about it. I was, and, you know, I was listening to the I, – I had the sound on, and Brian Williams said, you know, we want to warn you this is gruesome uh, coming up. But, but even – even so, you know. Yeah. Right? And and one last one last thing before I before I hand it over, if you if you guys want to discuss it, my my thinking that the only reasoning behind this decision, like the only reason they would include this, would be, I guess, out of the sort of mercenary presumption that oh, people will find this on YouTube anyway if they really want to see it. So we might as well host it ourselves to get some of that marginal traffic. But if a, I hope that wasn't the reasoning behind it. And B, if it were, I don't think that excuses it. And C, if not, I can't see any other conceivable reason to air that other than cheap sensationalism. But if you guys have an idea, please chip in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, did they have nothing else to show and they're just trying to fill air? 
it's, the it's the Olympics. It's generating more raw footage than than anything. What, what are you What are you going to show? Ice dancing? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, well, come actually, on. the the ice dancing Whoa! hasn't started. So. Oh, I just thought. Well, actually, on my own podcast. <laughs> oh, it stings! I can't see. I'm blind. I have to get knives and fight evil. No, uh, sorry, that was a ridiculous reference. All right, man. Keep, keep going. Um, Sorry. I was just pushing that out there. I'm saying, you know, maybe they were like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of showing these winter sports. Like, let's show somebody dying. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's show this guy hitting this pole all these times. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe they noticed that they, maybe they knew that people wanted to watch it. You know, I mean, people probably wanted to watch it. I mean, people are awful. So <laughs> it, it probably did take some of the stigma out of just. 13 year old dudes passing it around on YouTube because if, if it was, if that was going to be the case, then there would probably be a little bit more of a darker, creepier factor. And if they just got it over with by showing it over and over again on the actual television, I think I'm actually talking myself out of the point I was trying to make. So. <laughs> well, there's something. No, no, I like that. I like that. It's that NBC is taking on our communal sin, you know, they're saying like you're going to you're going to seek this out anyway, so we're going to show it to you. And now we're the assholes. Not <laughs> yes, they're like it's like they're sort of like Jesus. They're they're kind of taking our sins on themselves in order to save us. So they're exactly we- like Jesus. Yeah. That's, NBC they're, they're literally <laughs> literally like Jesus. Right? You have literally. turned my father's house into a den of thieves. Now watch Leno. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. The Um, I didn't actually watch the uh, the opening ceremonies, but I in the past the thing that I always got a kick of were the outfits because this is maybe a little girly thing to say, but it was something they always talked about on the news, and I always envied Canada's outfits because Ralph Lauren, whatever, designed America's or United States uh, outfits, but Canada has roots and everything with roots. For some reason, I think is pretty cool looking. Maybe it's the the maroon design, but they always make a big show out of it and just have everyone parade around i don't know if it was like that this year or not but i always got a kick out of that at least i definitely remember that the team team america team usa's uh (laughs) headgear seemed decidedly hipster-esque it was like you know a knitted cap that seemed like came from uh circa 1983 and was found in a thrift shop except that everyone (laughs) in the team was wearing it it was darn hipsters in their hats they were all wearing trucker hats that said these colors don't run no they weren't trucker hats they were like uh, knitted beanie kind of things going on oh no but i'm totally with you on 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 the outfit thing um yes team usa came out it's like a like i think the size of the polo logo was in fact larger than uh, any sort of usa insignia on them so i think that was fitting in its own way i suppose team usa brought to you by by ralph lauren uh speaking of opening teams walking out uh jamaica could not mount a bobsled team this year. Oh, they 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 only had they only have one winter Olympian this year. The bobsled team did not make the uh, the trial heats. Wait, John, did you say that that Jamaica could not mount a bobsled team this year? Yes, that's what she said. Okay, go on. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, man. <laughs> rather, rather, I love that one over the plate for a cool runnings reference, and you bunt with a "That's what she said." 
John, you look, say- ever since John Candy's death, I haven't been able to make cool runnings references with the same sense of glee anymore. Uh, uh, but I still will get make them occasionally. Does anyone want some Sanka coffee? Uh, uh, <laughs> that's the name of the character, Dougie Doug, plays in Cool Runnings. His name is Sanka. Sanka coffee. <laughs> Uh, that well, kind of goes under the radar the first six or seven times you watch the movie, but it's kind of, it catches up with you eventually. Well, so. well speaking of uh, of Olympians coming from countries that really shouldn't have uh, winter Olympic sports like Jamaica, I noticed that a lot of like um, folks coming from those sort of island nations were uh, from former British colonial possessions, and they're all like uh, white dudes who were clearly were not indigenous to those islands and were like leftovers from the colonials, and they. They gave a little, you know, a uh, little personal background story on them and they, you know, their 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 journey to the Olympics. You know, they were born in the, the island of of whatever former colony, and then went to boarding school in the United States, and then went to Brown, where he learned how to ski, and that's how he's at the Olympics. Like uh, <laughs> colonialism, still going strong, representing the Winter Olympics. <laughs> What's the difference between colonialism and globalization? A computer. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, in a way, it's it's kind of affirmative action for the Olympics because who who else is going to go and learn to ski or bobsled if they're from Jamaica? So it's really they're giving them a chance, right? In some way, yeah, it's it's, it's giving a chance to the the poor poor white folks in Jamaica for, who who've had to suffer so much. Minority, really. the mm-hmm. poor white minority in Jamaica, exactly. <laughs> I always felt that was a kind of a weird thing how, like, you know, there's clearly this disadvantage of uh, or advantage that certain parts of the world have for these Winter Olympic sports. And, uh, you know, like the South America, Africa, basically countries in the Southern Hemisphere um, have been sorely underrepresented in the medal counts in the Olympics. I mean, look at Summer Olympics. It's much more democratic, you know, like, you know, running. Hey, they got that everywhere. Ice hockey, not so much. Well, they have running everywhere, but there—I mean, there are places. Um, there are uh, there are places where um, where the running is harder, right? Like, or, well, I mean, take like is, you know, the running L- Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein is too small to run around in, actually. So they've never <laughs> oh, no, we just uh, lost sorry, a Liechtensteinian was, audience. I was about to say, aren't there places in the world where you can train so that you're better at? Uh, uh, so that you're better at running, like Kenya, right? Isn't that like, isn't the the altitude or something? Or Denver, Colorado, right? Don't you go to Denver to train so that you're uh, you go to that yeah, oxygen no- you go to that oxygen poor environment? Yeah, the no- the notion is train high, rest low. So you you train in an oxygen poor environment, so your body gets used to. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna make up the science if I keep talking. I, like any science that comes out of my mouth would be fiction. But yes, that's that's what you do. To, Pete, do you wanna... to functioning more yeah. efficiently on a limited resource? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. I was gonna say, Pete, do you wanna do you wanna make the Dragon Ball joke? Oh, what Dragon Ball joke? I was kicked off the podcast. Oh, we were talking about how people train in oxygen poor environments so they can be better runners. So their well, red I... blood cell count goes up is what happens. But well, uh, I, yeah, well, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying that why would you do that when you can train in a hundred times gravity? Shoot a laser gun from your hands. I'm gonna fire my laser. Listen, all right. He's guys gonna destroy the planet. I have to fight him, but you have to do more push-ups first. Okay, let's wait six months. We'll wait six months and then I'll fight him. 
Where are my knives? Now, okay, uh, before I write the best movie ever, somebody should go on and keep talking about the Olympics. <laughs> well, I, um, so I was watching way, some footage of the uh, of Olympic athletes, you know, uh, beginning to compete, and what struck me most about them was that their power level was over 9,000! Yeah, that's because they take performance-enhancing drugs. Oh. <laughs> Nobody can have a power level that high. It's not natural. It's impossible. You know, I was, uh, I was watching the biathlon today, and it occurred to me, and I, some of you may have seen that I tweeted about this, the biathlon has got to be the strangest sport of all time, right? Why like, is that? Cross-country skiing and rifle shooting? Yeah, skiing and shooting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, f- I find the summer biathlon to be a little bit stranger, but only because of the existence of the regular biathlon. The summer biathlon, you just run up a hill and yeah. then you shoot. So it's actually less strange, but in the context of it being like, hey, we want to do something that's sort of like the cross-country skiing and shooting sport, but it doesn't require skis, so let's just run up a hill for a little bit. Yeah, the, f- um, the fact that that one is the sort of the, uh, the, the, the off-market knockoff, right? They're like, ah, it's just yeah. like the, uh, the normal version, which is where you ski and then shoot. <laughs> I mean, like, I would say that biathlon is even stranger than, like, the Yukon Jack games, when people do things like throw axes at pieces of wood and, like, uh, and, like climb trees with axes and, like, cut trees with axes and saws. Right, because that has a that has a um, clear path from a practical activity to yeah. what you see Murdering there. Murdering people. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Too soon after the luge death. They can't all be winners, folks. All right. Oh. Not all my jokes are going to be good. I'm hey, sorry. Pete, I'm found... usually the one who takes a header over the line. Fair enough. That's what she said. Oh. What? <laughs> I, that doesn't even make any sense. Uh, so, guys, I'm on I'm on the Wikipedia page for biathlon right now, and of course, biathlon refers to a couple of different things, but it, it's not exclusively just the ski and shoot event. But that's the most popular one. And I'm looking, and if someone wants to jump on here and double check with me, I can't find I can't find anything that explains why skiing and shooting well i uh i I did a little research this afternoon while i was confused and what it is is that it was a military training exercise uh in in vogue in like norway and sweden and other places where uh, a lot of the infantry operations might be done in terrain where being able to cross-country ski and then shoot some dudes would be really really practical but like why that one military training operation you know why, why, if that's an event, isn't uh, climbing up the 10-foot wall uh, an event? Why isn't uh, rifle tossing an event? And then I got thinking, it's like, actually, if you think about it, Bathlon is the greatest Olympic event because clearly cross-country skiing and then shooting some stuff is a lot more interesting than just cross-country skiing. But I don't understand why we've stopped there. Like, why doesn't the curling team have a rifle shooting component? Why isn't there a like, ski jump uh, the length of a football field and upon landing, shoot some dudes? No, 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 not upon landing, mid-air. Yes! Is it you ski jump and you shoot sideways. <laughs> you go up in the air and you're like, pull! And then the ski comes up at you and you have to shoot it before it hits you in the face. <laughs> yeah. that, that, is, that is the safest sport ever. <laughs> oh man well you know another sport that's very similar to biathlon in its origins is pentathlon uh you know, modern pentathlon being a sport devised to imitate the activities one would need as a soldier in a napoleonic army um right it's like uh running and horseback riding uh there's some riflery 
uh, there's some jumping or something, or swimming, because you have to swim across a river or something like that. Um, I don't know what the fifth one is off the top it's of my a, head. Uh, it's freezing to death in Russia. Russia. Yeah, that was freezing to death in Russia. Got it. Yeah, eating your shoes. <laughs> the fifth one. <laughs> uh, and of course, the honorary captain of the U.S. Modern Pentathlon team, former honorary captain, was Dolph Lundgren, which is why I know about Modern Pentathlon at all, because he made the movie Pentathlon and trained with the Pentathlon team. Um, <laughs> Have you guys heard of the ultimate man quest that happens somewhere in the middle of, of England every year. They're, no, this is uh, why we have women on the podcast, because they do the man Do you mean the tough guy, or Mr. Tough Guy, or whatever it is, competition? Yeah, it could, it could be called the tough guy one, and it could be in Ireland, too. But I, uh, I once sat next to a guy on a plane coming back from the UK, and he had just finished competing in it, and you don't sleep for two days. You're out in the woods. You're completely drenched in mud and sweat. And you don't eat anything for two days. And it's all uh, in this random guy's backyard. Shorter? There's no international governing body. It's just some guy thinks that this is the fun thing to do, and he invites people over to his house to do it. Oh, here yeah, it is. The Tough Guy awesome. Challenge 2010. I'm going to put up a bunch of pictures in the video feed uh, about, the, uh, <laughs> about the Tough Guy That's awesome. Challenge. Short of, the, short of the international acclaim accorded to the winner, and apparently there's not much, it, it sounds like just living like a homeless person. Like, you know, you, you you sleep outdoors, you don't get much sleep, you get drenched in rain, it's in someone's backyard. Uh, yeah. You are also, like, you are allotted one empty Dunkin' cup to gather money. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you're being chased by government officials who are monitoring your thoughts. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yes, it's true. It's true. Too too many of our homeless are are, are suffering from mental illness. Or no, not mental illness. I mean, like when they use the ray beams to actually read your thoughts and control you. The homeless guys tell me about it all the time. It's, you guys don't listen. You guys think they're crazy just because they're being monitored by government spy satellites. Ah, uh, that's that's cruel, man. I mean, what if you were being monitored by government spy satellites? Do you think that we would appreciate it if people called you crazy? I suppose not. <laughs> Pete, we have good teeth and blogs. If we're being monitored by spy satellites, we can make a compelling case. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. What, what's that? They. Uh, all right. I'm. I'm. Uh, wow, that's a tough guy. Look at that. Look at that picture on the video. <laughs> that guy has a mustache that goes all the way down past his lower lip. Uh, ropes course. <laughs> running through mud. Oh, I see. No, crawling through mud with rocks in it under a uh, barbed wire mesh that will cut you if you stand up. More Apparently there are also these tubes that are underground that you have to crawl through that you can and they're 2 miles long and people have died in there. And you pay for this. You pay money, actual <laughs> dollars or pounds. To almost kill yourself. Well, what at the about end, if you win, so, you get the ultimate man. Is that what happens? If you win, the ultimate man comes out and hangs out with you. <laughs> I'm sure. 
So what about it? Like I've been reading in all kinds of media outlets profiles of Olympic athletes and they're all, you know, uh, there are some Olympic sports where age is a, where age is a boon, but, but a lot of them it's, you know, it's a young person's game. So they're in their twenties say when they're at their peak and, um, uh, and they've been training since they were a sperm for, you know, this great, greatest of challenges that, that they, yeah, for swimming or for ski the, the biathlon of swimming and slamming your head against something ten thousand times. No, no, no. I'm am back to the Olympics now, right? Oh, okay. So here's my. I mean, here's my question. I guess there's a wow, wow. There's a biath. There's a tough, Mr. Tough Guy competition, uh, or the Tough Guy Challenge of a guy dressed as RoboCop. Look at the video feed <laughs> right now. RoboCop is running through oh. mud. With Can you send me that? I want that to fire. be my desktop wallpaper. Can I make that my <laughs> desktop wallpaper? Yeah, ditto, ditto. P- post that link to the podcast comments, please. You got it. Um, uh, so is it, you know, is it worth it? Uh, to sort of, you know, take the children's childhoods away and, you know, force them to train 30 hours a day uh, in order to make them, you know, athletic machines. Totally. Think about the makeout parties that happen at the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably like camp. You're joking, but I'll I'll bet it actually kind of is. Actually, yeah, I I have... I have uh, an article from the the Summer Olympics, which was talking about the the sort of open secret of the Olympic Village, which is that there is apparently crazy hookups there. Like, not even kidding. That's it's well documented because you know it's it's the most athletic people in the world on a global stage, full of testosterone and adrenaline, and just high on themselves. And they're usually pretty good looking and. They're in a closed environment, usually away from adults for a while, for the first time in years, and stuff happens. Do you think they give out their own awards for, for uh, <laughs> <laughs> gold medal for best getting to second base? You know that the, you know that the Chinese have a secret dungeon where they like train tw- four year old girls to get to second base so that they can do it. Ah. Oh. What? Oh. <laughs> what? Too soon? God. Too soon? <laughs> on tonight's on tonight's podcast, the part of Matt Rather will be played by Peter Fensel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, let's let's look at this perspective. Like going back to the original question of is it worth it? Why would right? you go back to the original? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like that. I'm just saying. So um, here's the thing: if you look at, for example, um, the Olympics, you know, professional sports in the United States. Let's take NFL for example. This is a significantly different beast from the Olympics. But let's just use that as a starting point because we have statistics on this which show that you know they similarly devote their entire lives uh, to peaking young and an athletic achievement, and um, often wind up dying young. Um, and with the great riches that they earn, um, blow it all and do not manage their finances successfully. So consider that in the NFL and consider even the longer odds of, uh, of making it big in, in, in Olympic, Olympic, uh, um, Olympic activities. I can see that, uh, that the payoff might not be so good for that. You know, it's assuming that, you know, you, you reach to the top. In other words, what I'm saying is that Michael Phelps in uh, 10 years is going to be in a gutter. So good luck to him. <laughs> well, well, he did smoke uh, pot that one time. That's part of the reason why he's in the, in the gutter. Yep. Yeah, he's only, doomed. That only, guy's doomed. Only losers and 20-time gold medal winners smoke pot. 
But uh, to, <laughs> to, to respond to Mark's point, the, the reason the, the modern Olympics were uh, revived, you know, a couple, couple decades ago, a couple dozen decades ago, actually, uh, was, as far as I understand, to sort of promote world community and world peace, to promote a healthy competitive exchange between nations uh, in, a, in a peaceful and unified environment. So, in other words, as an alternative to war. Now, the 20th century might suggest that that hasn't been too, too successful, but <laughs> if you consider like the, the state of more or less constant warfare, which was known throughout Europe for, say, the 18th through like going back to the 5th century, let's say, you, you, might, you might consider it a little, more, a little more likely. So to, get, to answer your question, Mark, if, if training your whole life for the Olympics is a viable alternative to, say, going off to war which is the other thing that aggressive young men might be doing, then, yeah, I'd say it's worth it. Well, but if not... <laughs> but if not, then no. Yeah. Right. yeah totally. <laughs> well, going um, back to what I said earlier, I, I want to backpedal a little bit from that. And um, it's it more generally about athletics. And I think when you look at the population as a whole and about people who, 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 who are athletes... Um, there is a certain like uh, that competitive attitude often does lead to success in um, in non-athletic pursuits and business and whatnot. Um, but I think that's what the assumption that you do athletics in addition to all the other things that you do to make yourself a well-rounded person, like learn mathematics and social skills and how to manage people and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you what uh, we're talking about here is a sort of incredibly narrow, single-minded pursuit of this one thing which has a very small payoff a small likelihood of payoff as well so i don't really know the answer to that but um just i, I there's this conflict i think between you know the, the folks on this podcast here who um i'm gonna go on a limb here and say you know haven't trained very intensely for a single sport a physical activity for 20 years to reach one particular summit and have tried to make themselves as well-rounded as possible so it's very difficult to relate to that um, now, Lee, we haven't actually met in person, but I am <laughs> I am quite an athlete. In eighth grade, I played softball for two weeks. So. <laughs> That's a long game of softball. That's like a tough man. That's like ultimate tough softball player. But How many at-bats did you get in two weeks? What? They don't have mercy rules in eighth grade. So, I mean, it, <laughs> the game just got to keep going until someone gets, you know, that, that, ninth, uh, that ninth inning out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. Mm. Right. Hey, well, we got we got a woman on the podcast. Now we need someone who's you know to bring more diversity. We got to have a jock on the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> someone has to. I have almost never exercised my awesome, mighty editor in chiefly powers, but this is it. No jocks allowed in the geeks club. No, 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 hold on, wait, wait, wait. Let's try this out for a second. Let's, let's try this out. Okay, ready? So, what's up, guys? I just got from the gym. I was just been training all day. Oh, it was great. I was, so, yeah, the Jersey Shore was on as well, too. It was great. Why are you doing an impression great. of me, Mark? Why are you doing. <laughs> You know, I have a. Uh, can I can I ask our readers to do something? If you call in to our to our number, which I can never remember off the top of my head, 
and uh, and just shout nerd <laughs> lungs, right? We can then make you into a uh, a little sound bite that rather can insert into the yeah. podcast, so that that way there will be a jock presence, but rather we'll have total control over it, and all of his trauma throughout high school and even into college will be expiated that way. Yeah. <laughs> It was. Well, it, was I'm, 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 it was mostly uh, freshman year of college when they when like a computer algorithm matches you with roommates, right? Uh, you know, I had I had a bunch of varsity athletes, and and then I then I had different ideas about what we were there for. You know, mm. <laughs> not not that yeah. you know anyone is better. Yeah. Do you want me to read you what the, <laughs> the Bible says that. about the Olympics? I can read you what the Bible says about the Olympics. Tell us, Pete. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed that all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Was that easy? Yeah, I suck on that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did no, no, she I, say? I, oh. She said, was that Jay-Z? And I don't think that Jay-Z has ever said that. Oh, that was that Jay-Z, yeah. Material wealth that he's accumulated <laughs> was meaningless. Yeah, and then the whole stuff is like, let's hear it for New York! <laughs> <laughs> That's here for yeah. That's the the book of Jay Z. Well, that's a that's a fitting way to wrap up the discussion of the Olympics. Unless anyone has a parting shot for that. No. USA, USA, USA. 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 <laughs> you guys sounded like such drones, such mindless drones. When you I don't know. I just wanted to because like Pete's like very you know uh, depressing recitation from the book of Job was not with the Olympic what? spirit come that's on guys Ecclesiastes. that's not Job that's a, a Job that would have been worse Job would have been like <laughs> I tried to do these things but then I got like a horrible disease and my family died and like someone shot me in the face with a pellet gun while ski jumping and, and then sucked. I got then I got but boils no. on my ass exactly Seriously, he gets boils on his ass look it up yep. jo- Job on. has my Job has 99 problems, but faith ain't one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you got God problems, I feel bad for you, son. (laughs) All right. Um, Were you there when I recorded the Illmatic? (laughs) (laughs) Were you you there? Were you there when I laid the foundations of the beat underneath (laughs) the groove? Oh man! Uh, was, wow. Yeah. Hey, we get called out sometimes. There was one uh, email that called us out for for always quoting from the Bible. I don't I don't know why it is. I mean, we we quote from a lot of things. We have a, we have a lot of places that we go. I guess the Bible is just you know an extremely authoritative uh, and far reaching text for Western civilization. So it makes sense that that it would be a go to 
quotation. Anyway, speaking of boils on your people on the internet doing that, <laughs> <laughs> calling the Bible authoritative, we're going to have half of Reddit up our butts. And they're going to be saying all sorts of nasty things and bad. But anyway, uh, authoritative <laughs> is probably not the word. Decisive, maybe, is more the word. It 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 has had a decisive influence on the development of Western civilization. Hey, it's Valentine's Day. Let's spend a minute or two to, uh, as as we're we're getting towards the end here. Let's spend a minute or two on on uh, that. Anyone want to to overthink, you know, shallow things? Hey, oh, I want I wanted to ask. Whenever there's a uh, whenever there's a woman on the podcast, I I love to talk about online dating. Um, so, Natalie, are you? Do you have great online dating stories that you want to tell us, or have you have you never uh, dipped a toe in the uh, in the great pool of uh, of the internet's uh, the, the internet's for your love life? Uh, I have. I have dabbled in the internets. Um, mostly, I don't know. I tried out OkCupid for a while, and I would get frustrated because it was never. I, I don't know. You, you get you even if you talk to someone for a while, it's not going to work out. Uh, you just have to meet someone in person. I think, but. Um, the thing that I love about love in the internet is the uh, misconnections on Craigslist, of which I have posted and responded to and really? read them diligently. Yeah. You, did you, was it actually you who, uh, who was the person <laughs> in, in the post or did you, did you try to like Bogart someone else's missed connection? Oh, that would be terrible. No. Um, <laughs> why would I ever do that? I am. Um, Got it. There was one that I thought was me, and then I then I emailed him back and uh, told him wasn't. my name, and then he he was like, "Oh, not you." <laughs> wow, jerk! Right? I know. The internet is a rough place. Internet's so. rough. Hey, have you have you uh, heard the, of this site that has blown up in the last couple? Anyone uh, this site that's blown up in the last couple weeks? Uh, it's been around since before the holidays, but uh, it's called Chat Roulette. No, what is this? No. So it's a it's a site. It's chatroulette.com. Don't go now, or you'll crash the podcast. But um, you go, you uh, you essentially click like spin. It turn the site turns on your webcam and automatically connects you with a stranger somewhere from around the world. Whoa! And and that all, is and you have creepy. one button which is next. All you can do <laughs> is terminate the conversation that you're having and uh, and move on to the next conversation. And so obviously, like the average length of an interaction on on this website is like three seconds. Um, I've been afraid to go on. Because I'm afraid I'm going to see, like, I, I'm a, I'm afraid I'm going to see naked men wanting to show me what they got, you know? And that's, uh, like, but the, the idea, if you could filter it, is kind of interesting. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be interesting, uh, wouldn't it be interesting just to sort of talk to a stranger around the world for five minutes and then click next and talk to another stranger somewhere? It is amazing that it. However, I feel, <laughs> I feel like the likelihood of seeing a uh, a male genital part is so high. <laughs> 
that it may not be worth it. The really horrifying thing is that, like, you're going to come across that male genital part, and then they are going to reject you, you know, before <laughs> you can even reach to reject them. <laughs> oh, it's uh, L.W. Jank in the... Um... In the chat room says, uh, I tried it once. It's a revolving door of censored shots and uh, has written the word censored in angle brackets to, you know, I think I think he means junk shots. Why, why do they censor? <laughs> why do they censor the shots? Isn't that what you're paying for with this? Well, I, I, I have to I have to wonder what that's like from the I guess from the performer's perspective, because if the <laughs> if the function is just, you know, the chat roulette spins whenever someone clicks next, doesn't that mean you would have to essentially stand in front of your webcam with your pants down for like 10 minutes just to make sure it's getting out there. I mean, what do you do in that time? Do you have a beer? <laughs> I think you you're thinking something. You're thinking something to do with your penis for 10 minutes. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you guys, I'm so glad that I'm spending my Valentine's Day with you talking about the junk shots on this website. This is the most romantic way I could possibly imagine spending my Valentine's Day. I'm going, to, I'm going to be very generous and not make the title of this podcast. You can figure out something to do with your penis for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks, rather. Thanks. <laughs> it's actually fascinating from the performer's point of view i mean if you're the kind of guy who goes on and turns the webcam on your junk then you are a exhibitionist right you like the idea of people seeing your uh you're censored and uh or you're doing what's necessary even if you don't like it because it has (laughs) yeah yeah. like it it feels some kind of psychological need now the fact that people are going to be looking away immediately almost all the time right that's clearly suboptimal but it's like any other it's like the the CETA uh project or whatever it is where they're doing the search for in uh extraterrestrial life it's massively parallel right the the job of staring at penis is spread out to thousands of computers all over the world right and it goes faster than like if you were to hook up a like a, a cray supercomputer devoted just to staring at your penis for an, like a, a month at a time it would this not is actually accomplish as much staring at your yeah. penis. Is that the idea? That is the idea. Yeah, as Thanks. a bowl of total. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. As a distributed, as a distributed system. Oh, that cloud yeah. cock is really what the future is all about. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, Natalie. Sorry. <laughs> and I censored myself from saying hand jobs earlier. So. <laughs> Wait, hold on. When, when in the conversation would you have said handjobs? I forget when that would have come up. Well, I was reading for the Bible, I think, right? Like, and then when I was reading for the Bible, she was going to be handjobs. <laughs> Pretty much. Something that, uh, something about the Olympics. Does <laughs> oh, okay. anyone have anything overthought to say about Valentine's Day? That it's a Hallmark holiday? Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I guess, you know, the internet and, uh, I, I guess, like, Reality Bites cornered the market back in the 90s on phony outrage at the, you know, vapid, insipid uh, nature of consumer society. So, really, what is there left to say? Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. I was called upon to do some very cliche Valentine's-related things today. Um, one chief among them, ice skating at Frog Pond. Handjobs? And getting a handjob in the bathroom of the Boston, <laughs> of the Boston Common Information Center. Gross. No. 
<laughs> no, I didn't do that. No, I went to go ice skate at Frog Pond, and I was very skeptical. I was like, it's going to be crowded, but we'll have fun. You know, like, oh, we'll be fine. I was, like, very obviously faking that I was excited to do this. I was actually thinking it was going to be awful. And then we started in a long line, and we paid a lot of money and, like, all this other stuff. But once you actually get out on the ice and you're skating around in a huge crowd of people and children, um, it's fun, and it's fine. And, and I think that, like, a lot of the stuff, it's like, oh, it's so commercial, it's so awful. I think it's the waiting for it to actually happen is the bad part. And the, the sort of perception of the markets associated, oh, you have to go buy the stuff. You have to go get ready. You have to do the planning. You have to make it happen. But hopefully when you actually go through and you have a Valentine's Day, even if it's cliche, even if it's morally bankrupt, and even if it costs the lives of several people in emerging nations, uh, when you actually get right down to it, like, it's nice. And can't we have nice things? Do you mean, Isn't when a- you say cost the lives to several people in emerging nations, do you mean like the Chinese children who are sewing the little teddy bears? Uh, I mean, either that or like the people who live in Bangladesh who are going to have their houses flooded out because of the manufacturing that's going to cause the climate change. Or the people in Malaysia who like, there's a fire because they're clearing woods to build factories and stuff, and then their houses so, got burned down. So, Benzel, your Valentine's date, your Valentine's date wasn't hunting the most dangerous game of all. <laughs> I thought that's no, what I you told meant. you I didn't go in. I didn't go into the Boston Common Information Center bathroom to get a hand job this time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, I wasn't hunting man. I was not hunting man. I was. Oh <laughs> uh, 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 wow! I think we've. <laughs> I think we've degenerated to a point where we might have to leave our conversation there for the, uh, yeah. <laughs> for the week. I think it can only get worse from here. Anyone have a parting shot? How about some Marvin Gaye? I've been really trying to wrong sensitive oh, people. I- I'll, so say <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. <laughs> okay, so I was kicked off the podcast a little while before because I tried to load a website that was going <laughs> to tell me about the movie that Dougie Doug is currently making. Um, Dougie Doug being the guy who played Sanka Coffee in Cool Runnings and was also the star of um, that TGIF, was it TGIF? Latter-day TGIF show, Where I Live. Um, and he's making a movie called Snowmen, which is a Canadian movie about like a kid who like meets a Jamaican immigrant and they go on like a journey of self-discovery. Um, so it brings together both Dougie Doug and Canada in like a whole new way that you've never experienced before. It's supposed to come out this year. So, I mean, if you're looking for something special to do for that former Cool Runnings comic relief in your life, like pitch him 10 bucks. He could use it. So there you go. Oh, did I say – someone asking me if I just said Cruel Runnings by accident, like a crossover between <laughs> Cool Runnings and Cruel Intentions, which wow. would be a fun, a fun portmanteau. That would be a fun movie as um, with Sarah, Sarah Michelle Gellar as like a wicked, incestuous bobsledder. That would be <laughs> funny. But, uh, but uh, no, I did not. Yeah. I, I I mean, as I as a, I a guy who does a podcast about Gossip Girl, um, I, it's probably not hard for you to guess that I'm a big fan of the film Cruel Intentions. It's a great movie. True. I was actually celebrating Valentine's Day earlier by watching I Know What They Did Last Summer. I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Because um, I was a big Buffy fan growing up, so Sarah Michelle Gellar is she's like a sister to me, and that is the movie that she met Freddie Prince Jr. on. So I feel Aww. like on Valentine's Day, I can at least share that with her. You know. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you, you're actually watching her get killed with a hook, aren't you? <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> and that is a Valentine's Day I think we can all get behind. If you want to get behind us, give us a call at 203-285-6401. That's, uh, that's 20. Now, someone, I, I won't say where it came from, but it was suggested it was suggested to me that the uh the mnemonic that i use for the um uh the the mnemonic that i use from the phone for the phone number one of only two mnemonics possible for this particular phone number <laughs> uh, might uh might be intention uh might be at variance with the aim of actually getting people to listen to the show so <laughs> <laughs> so um but I, I think we've already I, I think we've already crossed the line on this particular episode. So I will say that it is twenty eat log zero one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one. Email us at podcast at overthinkingit.com. Tell us what you think. Oh, <laughs> isn't that charming? Skype just popped up a notification for me to say that Miloski is online. Yay! <laughs> Not for the show. Uh, <laughs> she didn't come for us. Uh, and uh, if you have anything to say, contact us there, 203-285-6401, or podcast at overthinkingit.com to uh, let us know what you think of the Olympics, uh, what you think of Valentine's Day, what you think of Sharktopus. <laughs> Distributed uh, computing. Or what you think of Shark Depote in general. <laughs> what you think of Cloudcock. Or call the phone number and just say nerd. And we will appreciate that to no end. And until we hear from you and until you hear from us next week or see us live on the uh, on the Ustream channel search for overthinking at podcast on Ustream we we broadcast live at uh, 9:15 eastern 6:15 pacific uh, though i there's a there's a oh god here this is what i do i always get off on tangents uh, story of my life you know i remember this one time when no just kidding we have a listener uh, from <laughs> holland in the uh, in the um, chat room tonight where it is 4:30 uh, in the morning <laughs> So, wow. thank you, sir. We salute you. Uh, but until you uh, see us live or download us, what you can do every day is visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com, the site where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably USA, USA, USA.